Welcome to In Transition, a program dedicated to the practice of content communication in the public sector. Here's your host, David Pembroke. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome once again to In Transition, the podcast that examines the practice of content communication in government and the public sector. My name's David Pembroke, and thank you very much for joining us once again as we dive this week into the phenomenon of publishing. How is it that some people really understand how to tell a story so as that they can build an audience for the story that they are seeking to tell. It's one of the key and fundamental parts of content communication. And I know that most of us work in government and the public sector, but I think what we have to do is to always look for best practice and look to people who've been able to build audiences so as that they can then uh, build businesses off the back of them and, and build further engagement and, and other opportunities that comes from being able to publish useful, relevant and consistent content over time. So my guest today is Lola Berry, who is an Australian nutritionist and published author who has cultivated a very successful career using social media. And I suppose, again, you would refer to her as an influencer. There are a number of uh, journal articles uh, and books that she's published, things from the 2020 Diet Cookbook, the Happy Cookbook, the Little Book of Smoothies and Juices, the Happy Life, Summer Food. So she's a real expert because she is a graduate of the Endeavour College of Natural Health, where she has a Bachelor of Health Sciences. But perhaps most interestingly is the size and the, the depth of the audience that Lola has been able to build. On Facebook, 150,000 likes or just under 150,000 likes of a page. Instagram, 121,000 followers. And on Twitter, 12,300 followers. So Lola Berry has an audience, but she also has a newsletter. And I'm very interested to understand just what her story is and why is it that people are so interested in what she has to say. And she joins me now today from Melbourne, Australia. Lola, thanks very much for joining me in Transition. Yeah, thanks for having me. Wrapped to be here. Fantastic. It's a really, um, you, you've built a very, very solid audience over time, but let's go back to the beginning. Um, when did you start with this interest and, and passion that you have for uh, nutrition and for food? I mean, I just started um, making little like web episode kind of doco kind of stuff for YouTube when I was like 21 was when I started and um, Steve Irwin was kind of like who I looked up to and I thought if I can do little like health versions of um, online content, then that was kind of my goal and that's kind of like it all started back, yeah, when I just got three jobs, saved up, got a video camera lived on the Goldie, so I'd get my um, boyfriend to, like, film me in banana plantations, macadamia plantations, and I had all this content, called a mate in Melbourne and um, got him to edit the content so that I could put it online. That's kind of where it started from. Okay. So did you have any idea what you were doing? Like, were you deliberately thinking, I am going about building an audience around this particular niche, or were you just having a lot of fun? Uh, I was having a lot of fun. I knew I loved the medium of filming. So I, before doing a nutrition degree, I had dropped out of a Bachelor of Performing Arts. So I knew I loved 
the idea of filming and talking on camera. So I definitely wanted to combine the two passions together. Where it would take me, though, there was no expectation. So you didn't have a business plan thinking, okay, if I can get my audience up to a particular size, I can be get paid as an influencer, for example, I can do speaking events, I can um, create information products that I could sell? No, 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 no. When I started doing this, like, it was MySpace days. So there was no... Facebook, there was no Instagram, there was no Twitter, like it was back in the day. So that was definitely not, um, I was using it more as almost like a resume tool, like, hey, here, this is what I'm doing. And I was using it to try and get myself on morning television. Okay. So that was the objective. Were you successful in that? I believe that you were. Yeah, that's, you'd consider that my, I guess, break in Australian media. Yeah. So, Get yeah, it. we just cold, cold called. That's all that happened. We just cold called a morning TV show and they wanted to do a one-off segment of a young girl spreading a health message. And, uh, yeah, as soon as they called cut, they signed me to the show. So that's where it kind of like all begun. But, I mean, at the same time it was, you know, a lot of luck right, working with amazing people and a few people took a chance on me and that's how it happened. And so at what point did you think that you needed that depth of knowledge in your expertise where you needed to get that formal qualification? Oh, no, I had that first. Oh, okay. So, so, so that was the, the – you already had that when you, you were starting out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I looked at it as my ticket to the ball and I thought when I have my ticket to the ball, I can wear whatever I want, <laughs> i.e. film or write books or, um, you know, travel, whatever I wanted to do. If I had my, a good, strong qualification, I, could, I knew I didn't want to practice in clinic. I knew that wasn't a goal. Okay. So in terms of un- trying to work out what it was that your audience was looking for back in those MySpace days when social, you didn't have the, uh, uh, the benefit of being able to, to draw feedback through the social channels, how was it that you decided what it was that your audience was going to be interested in? Oh, no, they had no choice in the matter. I, <laughs> I just filmed cool little um, episodes about like medicinal food uh, and people were responding well. We were putting them on YouTube and um, people were responding quite well and it just grew from there. I mean it, it was called Fruits and Roots with Lola Berry and I booked this um, one place to film in Mount Warning. You know, it was an amazing, beautiful water company. And they said, oh, do you want to use our helicopter to film? And I said, yeah, I'd love to. You know, we want to do a segment on the importance of hydration and water and show how awesome your water is. And we rocked up to film and she's like, this is a porno, isn't it? And I was like, (laughs) what? And she's like, fruits and roots, lola berry, it's definitely not health. And I was like, no, 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 I'm here to talk about your water. So, you know, there were definitely those kind of moments. Um, but, yeah, I just wanted to film cool content that was that would inspire people. That was kind of the number one goal. Um, it was awesome to get the TV gig as well, but the goal still stayed, stayed the same, which was to inspire people. And how, how big an impact did that television uh, gig have on – on the growth in your popularity? Yeah, I mean, my website broke on my first day I was on TV of people trying to buy a book that didn't exist. So I... um, (laughs) Did you tell them you had a book to sell? No, it just said, (laughs) where can we buy a book? We want to buy a... Because I went on doing a nutrition segment, so I think they might have presumed 
oh, well, she's a nutritionist, she might have a book. I, I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, so I quickly self-published my first book when I was 23. So, yeah, I mean, I've forgotten your question now. I've got off track. But, I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, go for the next question. <laughs> so in terms of your model for success, and obviously you've been doing this now for a long term in, in time in terms of reaching out to an audience, understanding an audience, having an expertise, telling a story, uh, being consistent with telling that story. What are your what's your advice to people, you know, whether they are working in a government department or a not-for-profit, what's the best way for them to achieve what you've achieved, which is a sort of substantial and engaged audience? Um, oh, my advice would be do what you love, be real and back yourself. That would be my advice because no one's going to hand you on a silver platter what you want. I've definitely learned that in business. And um, if you're real, people respond to that because I think there's a lot of, especially with Instagram nowadays, um, there's a lot of fake out there. There's a lot of like Insta fame and things like that. And I think if you're honest and real and authentic, then um, you can't really go wrong. And if you believe in yourself, then you'll be able to get through the challenges that come because you'll know that you're focused on the goal and it doesn't really matter what um, what's thrown at you. Yeah. But, it, but yeah, but but is there also a need though that you have to create value for that audience or why would they bother listening to you? Why would they bother spending their most precious asset, which is someone's time and attention? So just how important is it that you connect with the need of an audience along with that authenticity and 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 expertise? Yeah, of course you've got to give them something that they want. But to me, I would like to think that that is having a very real and authentic message and I think that that's what the audience wants and respond to and and, and they will tell you accordingly if they're not happy with your message as well and you learn very fast if you've upset your audience. So I think, um, of course, you need to provide something that is engaging and is um, of value. To, to your audience and I don't know what, what that is for each, every person, but I think for me um, that would be to hopefully inspire people to be the best they can be, whether that be yoga, healthy recipes, um, you know, being out in nature or just like being honest about who you are. Yeah. It's interesting. You make that point around business and this business, probably any other business uh, or trying to build an audience, is it that it's hard work? that it takes time. Uh, did you realise when you begun how hard this would be to, to build a consistent and loyal audience over time? Uh, it's funny you should say that. A, a lot of people come up to me and they go, oh, I just want to be I want to be you. And I go, <laughs> imagine the hardest thing you've done and times it by a thousand because yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's totally, it's the success that you see on Instagram um, or social media, all those highlights. You know, it is a highlight reel. Uh, and it's probably, in all honesty, 2% of what goes on. It's, uh, you know, there's a lot of, you know, unsuccessful meetings or um, business plans that don't get off the ground or, you know, um, really, you know, there's a lot of money invested and lost and there's a lot of other things that go on that you're not going to um, necessarily post about the failures but there's just as many failures if not more than success so I would say to people it's absolutely harder which is why 
I said before, the key is to be real, but also to believe in yourself because without that self-belief, you probably won't get that far. Yeah. No, I certainly uh, agree with you that there has to be that purpose and mission around what it is that you are uh, speaking about or communicating about because it do- if it doesn't resonate with yourself, as you say, it takes time, effort, energy, and if, you're not, if you don't believe and you're not passionate about what it is that you're trying to achieve, it comes through very quickly, doesn't it, in the, in the resonance of, of the content. If it's, if, it's, if it's not making a point or if it's not something, something um, that is of use or of value, you find out pretty quickly that, um, you know, the, the audience either will disappear or, you know, they, they certainly will let you know that what you're creating is not what they want. Yeah, and I reckon you can feel it too. Like, you know, if you're spreading a good message or not, or you know if that was, you know, in alignment or not. Like, I'll say no to a lot of gigs because I'll, for example, a lot of people will go, hey, can I send you, I got one just before we jumped on Skype together Uh and it was, hey, Lola, can I send you a top? Can you take a photo of yourself in it for me? You can keep the top but can you do an Instagram post for me? And, like, in the past I probably would have been just like, oh, all right, I'll do the right thing by this person. And and now I'm just like that person actually doesn't really care that too much about me. They care about the numbers. So I just will say no very comfortably now um, and I'm not going to do things that are, are really aren't offering my audience anything. Okay, so could you sort of um... – Draw the curtain back a little bit around your sort of weekly practices around your content creation. Have you got a, a, a fairly standard week in terms of preparation and distribution? And if you do, are there some of those secrets you could share with us? Uh, well, uh, first of all, there's no, there's no real structure for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and with Instagram algorithms changing so much, you can't have a structure. They they don't allow that because um, once in upon a time I'd post a breakfast meal, lunch meal and a dinner meal, maybe a treat in the afternoon or in the afternoon or the evening. Um, now if you post more than two times a day, the algorithms will come to bite you and your post won't be seen in people's news feeds and it won't get the likes. So, um being too forced with it or, you know, doing any automated posting, which I've never done before, um, I think would probably backfire. Uh, as far as like a week in my life with social media now, obviously I have campaigns I work with, like I write part of the menu for Grilled and I have to, as a part of that relationship, I do do um, social media for them. So once every couple of weeks I'll pop into Grilled and have a burger and post that photo and the um, agreement is always that I get creative control so I get to post it my way with my jewellery on and my nail polish on, a cool photo holding a healthy burger on a paleo bun. I don't want to post it on gluten or something that I wouldn't eat. Um, I want to be really transparent with all my posting. Um, As far as my personal stuff, I just share what I'm doing. So I've recently been in Los Angeles, so all of my posts were pretty much from there. Nothing was scheduled. Everything was like, yo, guys, I'm having a green juice today or – I'm on set doing this show today or and, and I, you know, filmed a bit of content as well and and vlogged a bit as well. So did video diaries for YouTube. So I will often release when that happens. I'll release a shorter version for Instagram. But there's no real structure to it. When a vlog's done, an Insta, an Insta story or an, a shorter Insta version comes out. Uh, for me, really, in all honesty, it's 
I'm trying to think what I shared today. I shared a photo of my lunch earlier. Right. Um, And I wrote, gee, I'm loving using capers at the moment. Fact, I love using capers at the moment. You know what I mean? I'm not really, I'd rather be honest with the audience rather than pushing something because the reality is when I sign contracts and work with bigger companies, there is an expectation to post. So I figure if I can do as many posts that are um, real time and what I'm doing in that moment, then the audience is probably going to respond better when there is a post that is a paid post. And I'm really honest when I do them, I'll write sponsored post. Yeah. But but you're also finding though that that real-time content is resonant. People like the fact that they're seeing you going through your life just doing what you're doing because you obviously have a big focus on um, food and nutrition. So if they're following you, they're following food and nutrition, but they're following your journey as, you know, living your life. Yeah, because there's a lot of other elements like the food nutrition is one thing. Like then there's the yoga, then there's I own a smoothie bar, uh, you know, then there's like the travel and being half-based in Sydney and half-based in Melbourne. There's there's so many elements so the audience likes to feel like they come on that journey with you. Mm-hmm. And I think it's giving the um, feeling of connection and um, being very honest with the audience. So now you've got that audience, what do you, what's next? What are some of the things that you're trying to do with that audience in order to create value, not only for them, but for, for Lola Berry? Uh, well, I've got two more books coming out. So, um, and, and the content's very different to what I have normally, um, written about. So my next book is all about beauty food because I used to be a makeup artist. So I'm tapping into different types of passions that I haven't really been able to share with people in the past. Um, I think sharing just like what you're doing and where you're going, like a lot more of the America stuff has, it's amazing because you're, you're tapping into a different audience, but you don't want to alienate your current audience as well. So that's a really, I've found that a very interesting juggling act when I was in America, you know, for a solid couple of months. Um, I think as far as what's next, it's really just about I think sharing the journey but growing the audience in a really organic manner and hoping that they're real. Like I've never paid for a follower. I've never sponsored an Instagram post as far as like paid for one to go into people's news feeds. I like it to have organic growth. Um, Yeah, so for me it's just like be real, share the message. Like my dream is to live in a treehouse one day. (laughs) You know, if if you ask me what what, what are you going to do in five years' time, I'd be like, love to have a treehouse retreat. I'd love to be based on the other side of the world sometimes. Like it's, it's always changing and I'm just learning to be really fluid with it. And when you live from a place of not having heaps of expectation and just kind of like following, we call it in yoga, following your dharma, your purpose, things generally fall into place and they're often not what you expect. And in terms of just growing those audiences, though, but are you at all strategic in in any way where you're going and um, researching, you know, perhaps some of your other competitors or colleagues in the same sort of area and trying to understand where those audiences are and what some of their approaches might be to influence the way that you go about your content creation and distribution? Yeah, not at all. I'm the opposite. I don't. I don't look at competition. I think what everyone has to offer is completely um, different. I know that I'm. I know that I'm different to other nutritionists, and they're different to me. And 
what they offer is different to what I offer. So I figure as long as I'm just being very true to myself and um, honest and authentic with the people that I communicate with, my audience, then that makes me happy. And I think um, I've found the more filming and the more public speaking I do, the most common feedback that I get is, oh, my God, you're way realer than what I expected and you're a bogan. And so (laughs) I kind of figure the more video content and the more, like, I can talk to audience, they're like, oh, she's not like any other nutritionist. You know, she doesn't speak proper. You know, she's, (laughs) you know, got a potty mouth, those kind of things. So uh, for me it's just like let me get out there, like let me, you know, get on tally and let me um, speak to people because I think when you're just speaking people can – um, see that like a lot of people, you know, think I'm, you know, a, a blonde Instagram girl, I'm sure. And and I think, um, yeah, I like the idea of being able to just be real, speak from the heart and, and, and that's kind of my secret weapon, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned video there. What's your experience been with video given that there's, you know, this whole – movement at the moment, you know, this pivot to video. Everyone's now getting involved in video. So what's your experience with video and what works for you on video? Well, we can see with Instagram and algorithm changes, it favours video, um, as does Facebook, favours video content. I love live Facebook. I like live Instas. Um, my Insta stories do really well, so I'll try and be co- quite consistent with them on a daily basis. I won't share everything. Um, there are some things I like to keep personal, um, just cause that's sacred to me, but I'll share generally what I feel at that time is, um, you know, relevant and in line with my audience. And, you know, so today I, um, got up and went for a run around this beautiful garden and I, you know, did a little bit of an Insta story of the garden, you know, and Insta story is fantastic. It's, it's, do, growing rapidly. Um, Instagram in Australia is obviously overtaking Snapchat in that sense, in the live 24-hour story kind of uh, side of things. I think one thing I reckon about video content is I've got all the whiz-bang filming equipment and I end up doing most of it on my phone. I think that realness and that um, uh, oh, less polished, I think just that real authentic um, makes it easier for the audience to connect with you. Mm. Interesting. And the books, I'm intrigued by the books, you know, in this world of, you know, digitally rich media, wh- yeah. what is the role of the book? And are we talking about e-books or are we talking about printed books that people can can buy? I work with Pam McMillan, so my books are hard copies. Okay. So you can walk into a bookstore and get them. Um, they also come out on um iBooks, Apple as well, so you can go either way. It's totally up to you. But I'm working in, with traditional media and traditional books in that sense. I think that there's something quite romantic about um, having a tactile book that you can touch and feel and smell the pages of and cook from and spill things on, and I, I quite like the romance of a book personally. Um, as far as their place, I think it is wonderful to have something that an 
uh, um, that an, either an audience member or someone can can hold. I gave two talks on the weekend and on both days we sold loads of books because it's so nice to take a piece of that home and take a memory home that you can have and, and hold that isn't on your smartphone, you know? Sure. Is there a commercial side to the book publishing or is it more, as you've described, more like a sort of substantial business card um, that helps to create a sort of relationship with someone? Uh, when you say commercial side, do you mean like is it profitable? Yeah, from, from making money from selling books. It's what I make most of my money off. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So once you become a bestseller, you'll, you'll do great. So um, books are, are great, a fantastic um, source of income, but they're also a, a joy to make. And i am literally been manuscript writing all day today. So it's, it's a lot of love blood, sweat and tears generally will go into a manuscript and a book and I write all of my own recipes. So I'm very involved in the book process and I love it. Yeah. So that book process, how does that, how do you have your ideas about what's, what's a good topic? You know, what's a, a deep enough and rich enough topic that you can justify investing the time and effort and energy into, you know, creating a, a piece of content that is just so substantial like a book? Well, so the way it rolls for me is I'll come up with like half a dozen ideas and then I'll sit down with my publishers and they're like, we like this one, this is the one we want to focus on and then I go back and I write what's called a skeleton, which is like a rough breakdown of how a book could look and then I send that back to them and they go, yeah, we love this bit. I have a tendency to write too hippie woo-woo. So they'll be like, that's a bit too hippie. We're going to pull the tarot cards out, Lola, but we're going to keep the you know, these recipes and talk to the healing power of Mother Nature and, you know, like they'll kind of um, coach me around um, around the execution and, and really help me with the editing side. I'm not a natural um, academic writer, mm. so I've always worked with an editor to help make the books um, readable. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, obviously very important. The whole it, it seems just just wrapping up now. It just it's is it exhausting? It sounds like it'd be very tiring to be Lola Berry in that you know you are you're on. You know, it's almost like um, yeah, just the the Truman Show. You know that there's this yeah. whole sense that you know whatever's on is on, and that you've got an audience, and it's a it's a performance and I know you did mention that there are, you know, there are bits of your life that you certainly keep well and truly to yourself but otherwise that, you know, meeting and reaching that expectation, does there, is there an element of fatigue that you find in it that you just sort of get Do you to know what? If you asked me that two years ago, I'd say no way. I love it. I live it. I breathe it. Da, 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 da. No <laughs> way. No way. And the truth is sometimes I walk into a yoga class and I just want to do a yoga class. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to, I don't care if I stuff up. I don't care if I don't do the full pose per, perfect. But, yeah, I mean there are some days where you just want or you just want to go and get your coffee and and I probably sound like a brat even saying this to be completely honest with you. But, sure, there are some days where you just have a crappy day and you want to cry and you but you can't you can't get away with or you just want to have a day where you lay in bed and eat chocolate and not get up and work. Oh my god, those days 
100% exist, but the truth is I am happiest when I'm doing the stuff that I love and I my golden rule is to do the things that I love. And and and, and if something doesn't work and if something doesn't start, it gets to a point where it's not serving me or I don't feel like I love it, like I've done big contracts with big food companies and it hasn't been the right fit. Yeah. I've got told I, you know, I look messy or because I dress a bit bohemian and, and I, it really hurt me. Like I've sat in meetings and been ripped to shreds and images of myself have been ripped up in front of me and, we, you know, and said that's ugly. And, and normally I'll just walk away from those gigs because it's just it's not servicing them and it's not servicing me. And so I think the older I get, I've turned 32 like two weeks ago, and I think the older I get, the more – that I am ha- enjoying saying no to things that are uh, not going to bring me happiness. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and and I think as a result that it doesn't get tiring, but it gets tiring if I'm out of um, alignment with what I love for sure. Yeah. yeah. All right, Lola Berry, thank you so much for being so generous with your time uh, and to spend a little bit of your valuable time with us today, just having a little bit of a chat about the way you go about, you know, building, engaging and delighting that audience and really delivering value and happiness to people on a daily basis. If people are interested and they want to find out a little bit more about you, you know, when's the next book? Where's the best places that people can um, become part of that community, part of that family that you've, you've built up over now many years? Oh, you're a legend. Here comes the shameless plug. <laughs> yeah, right? why not? Let's go. <laughs> um, well, my my beauty book is coming out uh, on the 1st of November, so really soon, and that will be available all over Australia and New Zealand. And then I just run through social media. So Yummo Lola Berry is my Insta, and then I'm all over Facebook and, like you said, Twitter, YouTube. Love it. Love it all. Excellent. Well, Lola, thank you very much. And to you, the audience, thank you for coming back once again this week to spend a bit of time with my good self and with Lola Berry. I think there is so much that government communicators, public sector communicators can listen to that passion and that intensity and that commitment and that hard work. I think what I take out of, you know, the discussion we've just had with Lola is that this stuff takes time, okay? It takes a dedication and it takes a commitment and it takes belief, Uh, in the story that you're telling. And one of the great gifts in being in government and public sector communication is that often what you're doing has real purpose, has real meaning, and is all about strengthening communities and improving the well-being of citizens. So take that lesson from Lola. And Lola has bad days too. So just remember that not everything's going to be a 100% hit winner. So anyway, thank you very much for joining me once again. But for now, it is time to say goodbye and we will be back at the same time next week. But for now, it's goodbye. You've been listening to In Transition, the program dedicated to the practice of content communication in the public sector. For more, visit us at contentgroup.com.au.